Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back for another episode of Addiction and Codependency Breakthrough. I am so glad you're here. And if you're new here, I just want to take a minute and say, welcome home. I'm really glad you found me. So today we're going to answer such an important question. And you might've been asking yourself this question just for a little while or a long while. And that is, can a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic ever even really work? Now I'm going to answer that question for you. And uh, we're, we're going to get into detail about it, but here, let me just put your mind at ease already before we even get into it. The answer to the question, can a relationship with an addict and alcoholic ever work is yes, but okay. Or, and yes. And if it me, if you're able to answer these four questions that I'm going to walk you through in this talk and you search your soul and you answer these questions, honestly, from the depths of your being about what is most true for you. If you answer these questions in the affirmative, then yes, your relationship with the addict or alcoholic is definitely able to work. It's I've seen it happen many times, but I've also seen where people have answered truthfully to these questions in the opposite in, the, in, in a way like, you know what? I don't think I am ready for that, or I don't think I can do that. And I've seen it work two ways where they answer the question. They know they're going in and they can't do it, but they stay in it and it doesn't work. The relationship doesn't work or they're honest with themselves. And they say, you know what, Heidi, I've answered these four questions and I see that I just, I, I can't go along for this ride. You know, today you're basically going to decide who you are, what type of person that you are. It's not a good person or a bad person, a good person. You stay in a bad girl or a bad boy. If you leave. It is the type of person you are is, are you cut out for being in a relationship with an addict and alcoholic or not? And there is no shame in the game to say, you know what, Heidi, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Or yes, I was made for this. So by the end of today's talk, you should be able to answer that question. Now, of course, if you need more help, and sometimes we just need partnership, we need to, we need more coaching, more support. That is exactly why uh, this episode is sponsored by the Codependency Institute, of which I am a founder, the founder at HeidiRain.com. And all of our programs over there are designed for you. They're made especially for you, somebody who's in a relationship with an African alcoholic. I have uh, programs for uh, if you're going to stay in it, uh, how to navigate that relationship. I have a program designed for if you get out, how to heal. It's called our Toxic Relationship Recovery and Codependency Recovery Course. It helps you heal up all the damage that's been done as a result of this relationship. And I also offer a couples program for people that are just dealing with addiction. So, you know, I, I've spent my life really specializing in this population, you, people who are impacted by another's addiction. And I have all the tools and resources you need to heal and be on your way to a healthy, happy life. So go to HeidiRain.com and check that out. Are you ready to dive into the questions? I recommend that you answer these questions with me as we go through, but, but more than that, I want you to grab a journal, grab a pen, your favorite pen, your favorite paper. I've actually just recently gone paperless. I mean, for the first time, like, but of course, you know, it's gotta be blinged out, but I've, I've, uh, I'm holding up my iPad. If you're listening to the podcast, I have good notes now. And so good notes, just a little tip. You can use your handy dandy little pen. I know you're, you're probably like, Heidi, where have you been? This has been around forever, but I'm new to this because I'm the girl that does all the paper stuff. So I've written my questions down for you. And what I want you to do is grab your favorite journal and your favorite pen and write these questions down. And then I want you to let it marinate. I want you to let it simmer. I want you to go to a special sacred place that's just for you, where you can answer these questions in the privacy of your own mind 
and in your own time. And you can let these questions simmer and marinate within you until the right answer arises from deep, deep within you. All right, so let's get into it. Some of these questions might sound obvious and some of them are not gonna be so obvious. And I'm gonna get into why they're not so obvious and explain them even deeper. So stay tuned, okay? Don't miss a question. I'm telling you right now. If you can answer yes to these questions, your relationship is going to work. But if you can't, if you answer some and not all, it ain't going to work. So you need to listen to each and every question. One question is not more important than another question. They're circular. They're all work together to move this bus forward or skirt, tip it over on a side. Okay. The first question is, what type of relationship do you really want? What is it that you want? Now, I want to be happy. I want a loving relationship. I want a fun relationship. I want a free relationship. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, what do you need deep within your soul to feel loved and to have a sense of this relationship is worth it for me? How do you feel loved in a relationship? We have an exercise that we do in our codependency recovery course and in our couples where we do this, where we sit down and, and talk about the different ways that we feel loved. And this is what I need if, uh, in a partnership in order to feel loved. And we go through that list and we say, I need to feel valued. I need to feel respected. I need to feel understood. I need to feel heard. I need to feel uh, desired. I need to feel cherished. I need to feel, so, you know, all the supported a million times. I could say that I'm sure for, for you, because I know you're in this one-sided situation, but you've got to be really honest with yourself first and ask yourself, what is it that you need and stop making yourself wrong for wanting what it is that you want. It's not wrong to want what you want. You're not asking for too much. Your expectations are not too high, newsflash. But I know that we ask that of ourselves, especially if you grew up in a, an addicted or dysfunctional dynamic, you're you're like looking around going, well, maybe this is as good as it gets. And maybe I should just be happy because it's not all bad. And sometimes it's okay. And when it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, it's a shit show. So I'll just, you know, and you, you rationalize and justify and you settle and you, you, you settle and you lower and lower your standards. I'm not talking about having expectations. These, this is something else that we distinguish inside of our coaching programs is the difference between an expectation and a standard. And believe me, when I tell you, there is a very distinct difference between these two things. Expectations are always probably out of whack in our own mind, but standards can never really be too high, right? So just that vocabulary shift is really important, but this isn't what this video is about or this episode is about. So we're not going to get too much into that. I'm just going to stay with, I want you to first take time with yourself and ask yourself, what is it that you really and truly want? The next question that you're going to ask after you take your time with that first question is, is that is this person, see, you're, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, anybody can do anything. This person can give me all those things. I know that they, my expectations aren't too high, right? Or my standards, however, we're going to word that today aren't too high. Okay. I'm just going to go there. My standards aren't too high. I need to feel cherished. I need to feel respected, understood, valued, listened to, I uh, listen to, I need communication. I need, um, you know, give and take, uh, shared responsibility, you know, all these things, my expectations aren't too high, but then you get into a relationship with somebody and you think that everybody on the planet is capable of meeting these expectations. So the second question is, is, is the person you're with 
capable of meeting those expectations, not is this person willing to meet my expectations or not? Because when we go, our personal development culture has ruined it for all of us because we have gotten this idea from, and listen, my husband worked with Tony Robbins for many years. I lived on the road and traveled and went to 15,000 Unleash the Power Withins and Date with Destinies. And I love Tony Robbins and I love those kinds of mentalities, but I'll tell you, it's a little dangerous sometimes because we look at every human being and think that they have this untapped, limitless potential. And that's a dangerous idea that we have because the truth is the best gift you can give yourself and another human being is to know the limits that you have as a human being. It's to know your limits, okay? It's to understand where your boundaries live and lie so that you can protect yourself and stay safe and sane. Hallelujah. But we don't do that. We tell, oh, anybody can be anything. So then we run into some trouble. So ask yourself, it's not a question of willing or not. Okay. It's a question of capable. Is this person able? Are you holding somebody hostage to some kind of expectation that they are just never capable of meeting? And now here's where the tricky part is. So the second question is, is this person, who, who do you have? Who are you dealing with, right? The first question is, what do you want? And can you have it with this person? Who, and really it's a question of who do you have and who is, who, who are you dealing with? This is where you get into trouble because this is what you do where you split. You do this thing called splitting and you say, well, I have a Harry who is, when he's sober, loving, kind, sweet, nice, available. But when Harry's drunk, he's an asshole. He's argues, he's absent. He's off in the garage. He's, he ignores me. You have all these things right around like sober, Harry, drunk, Harry, sober, Jane, drunk, Jane. And you split them off into two different people. And then in your mind, you think, well, when Harry gets sober, it's going to be all good. Or when Jane is, is sober, everything's going to be copacetic again. And the truth is, is that at a, at a human being's core, underneath everything, underneath everything, all drugs and alcohol really do is lower our ability to have a filter on our behavior. Okay. A, a governor, you know, on like, Hey, that's a bad idea. So if we look at I did another example of teaching on the brain where this is your brain, Dr. Dan Siegel, who's an interpersonal neurobiologist, and I've done a lot of studying with him, uses this analogy of a brain. And in a normal human brain, you have a thinking part of your brain, the neocortex, you have the reptilian part, which wants what it wants, what it wants, and you have the limbic system and the feeling. And many times, you know, we're, we're in here in our feelings, but the neocortex is like, helping us out, but like, Hey, I want to go, uh, I don't know, rob a bank or hit a person or do something stupid. And this part of the green goes, shh, 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 that's not a great idea and talks them off the ledge. But eventually through addiction, this part of the brain kind of stops functioning. The thinking part of the brain isn't really functioning and the limbic and the reptilian is running the show, but it's not a different person entirely. They're not changing into a totally different person. So I want you to understand something. What is your expectation of this person when they get well? Is it that they're all better? They're perfect now. They're happy all the time. They're healed. They're healthy because you're in for a rude awakening. If you think that's the case, if you're with a human being that gets drunk and acts crazy or gets high and is mean, that is a person who has the potential to be that way. No matter what that is a person, um, I remember the first time when I was working at a drug and alcohol treatment center, you know, you go through so many trainings there and, and almost a decade I was there. I've had every training known to man. 
And one of the trainings, of course, we get, you know, domestic violence and things like this. And by the way, if you're in a relationship where you're being hurt, I'm not the person for you. You need to click out of my video and call the helpline.org or the hotline.org and talk to somebody this way. Because I'm the population that I'm really dealing with is I'm assuming you're safe. You're, you're not being in an abusive situation, but sometimes when people are under the influence, they have that propensity, right? To, to be mean or, or, or what have you. But research shows that alcohol doesn't take a person who would never behave that way and make them behave that way. It unleashes that person instead. So a person that is violent when they're under the influence is just as likely to be violent without that substance. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with somebody where they've said, oh my God, they're sober. And I liked them better when they were drunk, but not too drunk, just a little drunk, you know, like now that they're sober, they're, they're angry all the time. And they're so you have to understand it's not a magic wand. What If you're in this relationship because you think they're going to get sober and turn radically into a perfect human being, that is definitely not going to be the case. In many cases, they're going to get a little worse. They're going to be a little more frustrated. Remember, alcohol and drugs are medicating something. They're doing a good job helping them a good job in quotation marks, helping them medicate whatever thing that they're trying to squish down and medicate. And so when you get sober, a lot of those things come to the surface. So you can have a standard for somebody in your life. You say you set the standard that you want somebody who's gentle, loving, and kind, but you're with a person who doesn't have the capacity to be that way. That is not their nature. So many of us are confused about what is an addict's nature and what is their nurture. What is the addict's behavior and who are they really without that addiction? And this is what we have to find out. These are the things we need to know. And so much of the time in my program, I help people figure that out by learning the history of the person they're with. And if we sit together in a coaching session and you tell me the history of the person, I will tell you your future. If I know the history, I know the future. Okay. It's not rocket science. It's just how people work. Uh, what's going to happen tomorrow is probably what happened yesterday. You know, uh, what's going to happen this time after 30 days is probably what's going to happen last time after 30 days. You know, it's not, but here's what happens. What we do is we get on this like magical unicorn. Well, this will be the one time it doesn't happen that way, or this will be the one thing that really works. And and it, it, the third question is this, the third question is this, because we're just right there on the tip of this question. Anyway, it's like mm, right there on the tip. How long do you want to deal with this is the third question. How long do you want to be with an addict or an alcoholic? That's the third question. Think about it. I'll give you a second here. How long do you want to be with it? Because it is a lifelong decision. Alcoholism, addiction, substance use disorder goes into remission, but it doesn't get cured per se. Okay. And so here's, here's, here's what you need to know about it. Alcohol addiction is a habit. It is a psychological disorder. It is a psychological condition. It is an habitual use of a coping mechanism that's gone wrong and it turns into a, an addiction. And we, we all have addictions. We all have habits that are bad. But let me ask you, have you ever had a bad habit in your life that you magically got rid of that never came back to haunt you? Like overeating or whatever it is, do we, do, do, do we just say, oh, I'm magically, you know, I have a bad habit of running to Oreos whenever I'm in distress, but thank God that's never been an issue for me for the rest of my life because I decided that it wasn't an issue. All right. Uh, maybe there are moments that, that it's an issue, but 
we work at keeping that in remission. We do other things. We take care of our bodies. We nourish our bodies. We feed our, what we ask ourselves, what am I really hungry for? We, in other words, we do the work. So if you're with a human being and you think they're just going to go into treatment and get it over with, and they're going to be done. And thank God that's over. It's never over. Somebody's going to work at recovery, meaning being a better version of themselves for the rest of their lives. That's what recovery is. Recovery is in a constant state of evolution and progression towards our best self. That's what it is. It's living a fully self-directed life where I am not at the mercy of my habits. I am not at the mercy of my, my whims and my, my feelings. I have my mind in control of my actions. And so Addiction isn't like you go get cured. Like, you know, if we think about addiction like cancer, okay, we'll make this analogy first. Addiction is like cancer where uh, it goes into remission. But if somebody does, here's how it's not like cancer. If somebody does everything they need to do in remission, and their cancer, they, they're eating right, they're taking all the exercise, they're, they're feeding their mind and body and soul and spirit with what they need. The cancer could still return and it's out of their control. If an addict or an alcoholic goes into remission, it is completely in their control. There isn't like a beer fairy or a pill Santa that comes in like so sneaks in the night and shoves shit in your mouth. That's not how this thing works, right? If I relapse, it's because I am actually making a decision and I am relapsing. So they do have control over their recovery, but they don't have control over their addiction. Meaning when they're in it, they're in it, but they have control when they're in recovery, they are absolutely in control. And so, but it's not something that's just over with. When I got sober 12 years ago uh, from alcohol, you know, I decided to go alcohol free. I haven't had any alcohol since then. And to me, I know, I know in my heart and soul, it's off the table as an option, but what do I do now when I still get stressed out or when I feel overwhelmed or when I feel sad or what other, I'm still always developing coping mechanisms and other ways to live my life. Now I have another video called the best explanation of addiction ever. And that explains how and why we get addicted. So you should probably watch that if you want to learn more about what recovery looks like as well. So the third question is, how long do you want to do it? And if you say, I'll be with you so long as I don't ever have to deal with this again, then this probably isn't the person for you. This probably isn't the person for you. You'd probably be better with somebody who doesn't have addiction issues in their history at all. If this is a ride you're unwilling to go on. So we've talked about three things so far. We've talked about what do you really want? Taking the time to figure out what type of relationship you want. The second question is, is who you're with capable of giving you what you want without splitting that person, okay? How long do you wanna do this? Whether this person gets better or not, how long do you wanna be on this ride? And I wrote down a fourth question. Um, and do you have a plan in place when it gets tough? I think that there are more than four questions to ask yourself, P.S., but I know for the sake of this lesson, we want to keep it digestible. I don't want to stuff you full of information and then you can't, you're like, oh my God, I'm so full. I can't move. Okay. So do you have a plan in place? Because addiction is like a hurricane. And I've said this analogy many, many times and hurricanes, when you decide, you say, yes, Heidi, I know what I want. I know this person is capable of giving it to me. Okay. I know they are because they do, they do. They, they're not, you know, they're, I, I love everything about them. Even when they're under the influence, it's not, you know, crazy mayhem or whatever. And I know that it's a lifelong thing, Heidi. Okay. I know that they're going to be working on their recovery. There's no magic pill. That's what got me into this pro That's what got them into this mess in the first place. Thinking it was a magic pill. The fourth question is what's your personal plan for navigating this relationship? 
What is your personal plan? All your personal power is in that personal plan. So addiction is like a hurricane. I live in Florida and I'm choosing to live in Florida. So I'm choosing to live in hurricane season, just like I would be choosing eyes wide open to go into a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic. So there are certain things that I need to do in order to be okay inside of hurricane season, just like there are certain things that you need to do in order to be okay living inside of this addiction. You have to, just like I have to put the stupid shutters up on my walls and go to Costco with the other jerks and get all the snacks and eat them on the first night. Okay. Before the storm even comes. And like, I have to, you know, put all my things away from certain rooms and put them up high and do all the stuff and get the stupid headlamps. You have to know how to protect yourself emotionally, financially, physically, spiritually, mentally. And those are called boundaries. And there's not just one boundary. It's like, what's your personal plan when somebody relapses? What are you going to do when somebody is struggling? How do you encourage somebody to get back into treatment? Or what is your philosophy on that? Uh, what's the living scenario when they're struggling? I mean, these are the things that I help my clients figure out. And I get to tell you, this personal plan is one of the most important parts. Knowing what you're going to do while you're on this journey is life-changing. And also it just makes your relationship so much easier. There's no surprises. We are all on the same page. You've set this boundary with the addict or alcoholic while they're in a good space, while they're in recovery. We've signed a family plan. We know what the plan is for the family. The whole family's in on the plan. And that's really where the magic happens. And that's where I've seen so my my six, most successful couples have checked every single one of these boxes. They've come to me and they said, yes, this is my, per here's what I want, Heidi. Okay, here's what I want. Yes, this is my person, Heidi. I've gone through your rapid discernment method. I know this is my person. I figured out who they really are. I know their nature versus nurture. I've got it. And I know that I'm down for this ride. I know it's going to be a lifelong thing. I know recovery is forever. I know we're all progressing. And now I have my personal plan in place. You will have a beautiful relationship and you will have a lifelong relationship. And that'll be very worth it to you if this is your person. But if you've gone through any of these questions with me and you did a big skirt, you did a big pullover, this ain't working, I'm gonna turn this car around, then you know that it's time for you to say goodbye. You know, it's time for you to end this relationship and stop holding on and holding hope that somebody's gonna be somebody other than who they truly are. And you might not want to break up because you have guilty feelings for leaving this relationship. And there's the video I did on guilty feelings for leaving an, an, an addicted relationship or what to do when they blame you for their addiction. There's many things here. There's so many resources here for you. But again, if you want to go deeper and you want to deepen our connection and our relationship and you want support along this ride, you want to meet me and meet with me weekly and, and, and get together and figure out how to do this thing, then I'm here for it. And I would love to support you every step of the way. Okay? I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. Make sure you subscribe and like, and leave a comment. It helps us help more people until the next time. I love you and you, you love you. Okay. That's the best thing you can do. I'll see you soon.